Okay. Let me move this. All right. Um, if you are here and you realize you forgot your Bible, if you'll raise your hand, Kevin and uh, Bill there will get you one. And if not, good. I'm glad you brought it. It'll come in handy this morning. Okay. Well, I was asked to make one quick announcement before we get started. This afternoon after uh, church service, if you have time and a, and a desire, we're, they're going to be uh, getting this room all set up for VBS that starts tomorrow night. And they could sure use some help uh, getting that all set up for it. And they're going to provide lunch uh, first. Now, I don't think it's steak and eggs. So I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, but there is lunch. And um, there'd be a lot of volunteers if it was that. But uh, a lot of guys anyway, I know. But um, anyway, uh, if you could, uh, if you have time for that and, and a desire to help, we'd appreciate you being here for that. Okay, well, let's have a word of prayer and we'll, we'll get ourselves started. Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, you do not leave us or you do not forsake us, Lord. And in spite of us, you love us and continue to lead and and, uh, give us favor and grace. Lord, this morning we have your word open before us. This is your revelation to us that we may know, God, not just you, know about you, but know how you feel and your love for us and also the things you desire for us. And one of those things is to understand, God, how to walk before you in a way that pleases you and brings your blessing and brings joy and pleasure to us as well. Father, tonight, this morning, as we open your word, open our hearts, open our eyes to this. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen, Amen. Well, what this morning, as the slide says, um, we're going to be talking about Proverbs chapter 9. If you want to uh, turn there, if you haven't already. We're going to be looking at two houses. I've titled the message, Which to Choose, the House of Godly Wisdom or the House of Worldly Folly. And uh, I'm, in the message, I'm going to refer to the House of Wisdom as Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Nothing against women. I'm just because they're defined as she in the scripture. So that's what I'm doing that for. But I want you to picture this. This is a great message for salvation, but this is also a message for believers. And what I want you to picture is this. you got the highest point and most obvious point in your life where God gets your attention the most and the easiest in your life. And there are two houses up there. That's what I want you to picture and have in your mind. And they are nice-looking houses, both of them. Okay? And what I want you to do is have that picture in your mind as we're walking through this this morning. So we're going to be in chapter 9, and we're going to hi- chapter 9 highlights the distinction and tension between godly wisdom and worldly foolishness. And we're going to look at two parts. There are only two sections of chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Verses 1 through 6 will describe Lady Wisdom calling from a location where she can be heard and seen. You can't miss her. She has prepared a large home and a grand feast. The invitation Lady Wisdom offers is for people to seek God 
and be transformed by his word and by his truth. And then there's verses 13 through 18. It describes what I've kind of put here as a descriptive and twisted mirror image of wisdom. This woman, Folly, also invites others to join her. Rather than encourage godliness, though, Folly lies and says that illicit pleasures, fleshly desires and cravings are good for you. So come in here. Those who fall for her seduction fail to see that her path, though, eventually will lead to death of some kind. These two invitations, and we're faced with them every day. And that's what I want to focus on. As believers, we're faced with two decisions every day. Which house are we going to walk into today? This creates a tension in our Christian walk in life. Now, the Apostle Paul talked about this constant tension in his letter to the Galatian church. And it's in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. And it says, so I advise you, this is Paul talking to believers, to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And your choices are never free from this conflict. The conflict mentioned here is is the struggle to discern God's good and perfect will for you. That's wisdom. And our own cravings, folly, that want our attention and want our loyalty. So let's look at first, and I call it the invite from wisdom's house. This is Proverbs 1 through 6, 9. Verses 1 through 6. Verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Now, seven is a picture of perfection in the scriptures, and pillars describe strength, durability, and royalty. Wisdom has built a house that looks perfect, and it is very desirable. Amen? Godly wisdom is very desirable. Now, here's what else. She has, verse 2, she has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. Now, this, is, this meal is like no other meal in all of creation. A meal that brings true and lasting pleasure. It brings spiritual life. It brings spiritual strength and food for our soul that helps us grow and mature spiritually. It's a perfect meal. Okay? Verse 3, and she has sent on her maiden. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Now, her call is made from the highest points in your life. That's why I said picture whatever the highest point in your life where the Lord easily gets your attention. That's the high point for the Holy Spirit to, to get a hold of you. It's made herself visible and able to be heard by all. And you know what? This is not a complicated message. It's basically this. Come and turn from this to this. And so we have a tendency to make this a whole lot more complicated than it is. But come and turn. That's, that's Lady Wisdom's message. Verse 4. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. 
As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, now we're going to stop right there in verse 4 for a second. Now the Hebrew translated simple in our English Bibles is the word for, um, which means either simple-minded or seducible. So literally what this is, whoever is seducible, whoever is seducible, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, and she continues it in verse 4, ah, come. I'm sorry. I just deleted something from this. Uh-oh. Well, that's never happened before. Okay. Let's let's just move on. Okay. So wisdom's calling. I got to figure out how that happened. So I never do it again. Man. So verse 5 and 6. Come, wisdom says, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. The call is to eat a meal prepared that meal that, that they describe in verse 2, that's the meal we've been called to come and take part of. But to eat this meal, you have to choose to enter that house. It's just not going to be brought out the door for you. You've got to go in there. And the meal, the meal brings understanding and it brings life. Now, this is not going to be brought up for you, but note takers, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Where is the wise? This is, this is a kind of picture of, this, of godly wisdom. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. And it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign... And Greeks seek after wisdom, wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So in short, you can't miss Lady Wisdom's call. It's there to be heard. She's built her house on the highest point of of the city for all to see. And that offer is heard on every street of, of everybody's life. The call from God is there. Now, standing there and watching and hearing all this is Satan. Now, he knows that those passing by are seducible. So he sets his plan in motion. Now, borrowing from C.S. Lewis's idea of screw tape letters, here's what we, how I describe what Satan sets in motion. Now, Satan will call for the demon named Folly. And he'll say, bring your intern named Stupid. And go and find the demon called death. And together build a house right next door to Wisdom's house and make it look as desirable as hers. And you, Folly and Death, and Folly, your intern, stupid, are going to live there. 
However, death, you must never come out on the porch where folly is going to be. You must always remain inside. Those simple ones, those seducible ones that are going to be going by and hearing your call, must never know, death, that you're in there until you're in there and it's too late. Then you can make yourself known to them. So that's the invite that's going to be coming from Lady Folly. So let's listen to her invite. Verse 13. A foolish, and cla- a foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and she knows nothing. She seduced herself. This is a stark contrast from Lady Wisdom, who has discipline, self-control, and knowledge of the truth. She says, verses 14 and 15, For she sits at the door of her house, on a seat by the highest places of the city, to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Folly is also on the highest point, and she's competing with wisdom. You know, hey, hear me, and folly demands to be heard in your life. Demands to be heard. And she cries out, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is really pleasant. Folly's meal feeds the sinful cravings of the flesh and not the mind and the spirit. Folly claims it's better than anything wisdom could ever offer. And if the believer bites, it encourages the believer into secret sins because they don't want them to know about it. But verse 18 of the seducible one that goes in there, but he who, do, he who does go in there does not know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of hell. Two messages, two houses, two decisions, the decision every day that needs to be met. How do we apply this? Well, here's the application. And that's what I'll spend most of the time on. Application is this. What goes wrong when a believer chooses to turn into the house, the Lady Folly's house? They for sure, now this is the believer, they for sure destroy their testimony because it won't be what it was before. can also destroy a marriage or a family. It can destroy a career. And if not in check, it can even eventually destroy a physical life earlier before it's time. Now here are two prime examples of people not paying attention to God's wisdom or its call. The first one is out of James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. This will be familiar to some, many of you. He says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And then Paul closes, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Proverbs chapter 7 shows a perfect example of what it looks like when one is being drawn and enticed. And what it can eventually mean if it's not stopped 
and turn the other way. It's not going to show up on your screen because it's verses 6 through 23. And this can apply to any kind of temptation and not just the example here. But this is what it looks like. Starting in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. Some of you will recognize this. And I saw among the simple, remember the seducible, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square. And she said to him, the young man without, the seducible man, I have made peace offerings with me today, and I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you. I diligently, to diligently to seek your face. I've come looking for you, and I have found you, she says. Says here, so... I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. And with her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost him his life. This picture can be applied to any believer who's been enticed by lady folly and entrapped in habitual sin. And habitual sin can take many forms, but it becomes the habit in your life that leads ultimately to death if it's not put in check. How do you stop this? How do you fight this? Remember, we start each day with both houses in front of us as an option. And here's the subtlety of this. Both paths look like the same path. And you may be realizing, and I'm going to give an example of that in a minute, you might think you're on the right path, but it's slowly taking you to this house when you should be going this way, but you don't notice that at first. That's the subtlety of it. But Psalm 119.11, it's a verse you can put up here, this is how you fight that to make sure this drift to the left doesn't happen, but to the right, to wisdom. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that what? I might not sin against you. When temptation is there, the best weapon is God's word. As you study your word, when you got saved and you started reading God's word, you had all kinds of battles with the flesh. And this verse would suddenly really speak to you about this issue. 
And so you burn it in your memory. You try to memorize it. When the temptation is there and you go, wait a minute, I've been on this road before. Rather than sit there and dwell in your head or just try to reject it, start repeating the scripture in your head. Folly can't stay. And start filling your head with God's word that you've memorized. That's the best way to fight temptation and not go all the way into the house. But get you back on the right path and into the right house. To repeat the scripture that was up earlier, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. So what is this conflict, and how can it look, what, it, what can it look like and how subtle can it be? I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to give you an example out of my own life. So nobody can say I'm picking on anybody. This is my folly. And it was the second year I was an associate pastor. And, it, and it, so it can happen to anybody of us here. I don't care if you walk with God for 40 years, you can stumble on this one. Uh, this kind of thing. But anyway, um, you can stumble and be deceived. I was, uh, it was a second year, and that was back in the day, late 80s. That was back in the day when computers, PCs were all getting, were new. And people were starting to buy them. Churches were starting to buy computers. And the church I was working at was wanting to get a computer and start using it. And there was a big debate about, you know, why, would, why do you need 40 megabyte hard drive? You'll never use it. I got programs on my iPhone that are 10 times bigger than that now. But then we didn't know. But there was a guy in our church, a couple, uh, Dennis. He worked for Tektronics and at, out there in, in Oregon. This is a, he was in Hillsboro. This was in Portland, Oregon, where we were living at the time. And, um, and he was a programmer and wrote the programs that ran those robotic arms that they used to assemble the circuit boards. And he was the one who wrote the programs that, that would tell these arms where to go. And um, anyway, he was a huge help to the church, thinking all that and not wasting money and getting just what we needed. And they had already left to get to a church that was closer to their home because they were on the west side, and that was about an hour drive for them one way. And um, when you consider traffic and everything, and so it was really nice for him to make all that time. So one morning, I'm getting to work, and, the, and my pastor, my, my boss, the senior pastor, says, Doug, here's a check. Go get a, a gift certificate from their, their favorite restaurant. You guys are good friends with them. You'll know what that restaurant is. You guys go out a lot together with them. And get them a gift certificate for a dinner out there as a gift and as a thank you from the church. And by the way, make it enough to where... If they want to invite a couple with them, they they got enough money to do that. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Now, here's how subtle temptation is. 
It's a 45-minute drive for me that morning to get over to that restaurant. Now, his favorite restaurant was Red Lobster. And so before I was there, here's the thought that had come to mind. And I, and I, and I can't still believe I, I didn't see it coming. Well, I know he's going to invite. So I know what I'm going to want to order. So I'm going to write a check big enough to make sure that'll happen. And so, you know, and, and there's no conviction. There's nothing. And so I go to the restaurant, I buy it, you know, man, this looks good, you know, and I put it in the envelope and I drive back to the church and I hand it to the boss. I say, here it is. He sees the amount. Oh, great, good, good. That'll be plenty. And I'm thinking, yeah. And I just wait for my invite now. Okay, this is September. And I, part of my hats I wore as the associate pastor, I was children's minister. We had a couple of hundred kids. And it was getting ready for the Christmas program. And so that's a lot of work. And I got busy, and I kind of forgot about it. And uh, I, did, I kind of I forgot about it. And I'm coming back in, and this is early December. And um, I pull into the church parking lot, and there's Dennis's car. And I suddenly remember this. And I'm thinking, wow, I must not have used it yet because we haven't got an invite. And I walk in. Of course, they don't know I'm in because they're not going to see by walking in. And my boss has his door open to his office, and they're in there talking. I'm coming just in time to hear him say, oh, by the way, did you get a chance to use this gift certificate and, and go out? And so I stop. And he goes, well, yeah, we did. And I'm listening. And he goes, we were going to invite our good friends, you know, Doug and Nancy? Yeah. And he goes, but so-and-so, this other couple, he's unemployed. There's been a lot of sickness. They've, it's been a rough few months. We thought, you know what? We're just going to bless them and take them out to dinner. And we even made sure they had a babysitter for their kids. All I wanted to do was get to my office. I closed the door. I was on my knees going, God, forgive me. How could I fall in for that? So easy I fell into it. You see how subtle that is? That call can be so subtle. I, it was, hey, come. Eat at my restaurant. My food's good. Yeah, I know it is, but how I was going to get there wasn't going to be good. Well, there's time. There's a part two to that story. See, at this point, nobody knew about any of this. Nobody. And I figured it was going to stay that way. Well, I knew three months from now, the senior pastor was going to take a three-week vacation. His wife was originally from Ohio. They were going to go back. This is in Portland. and He's Canadian, and that's a whole different mindset. I mean, Canadians have a whole different way of looking at things. At least they used to. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, they were going to go back and spend three weeks. Since this new pastor, second year, he was going to cover three Sundays. I'd never done that before. So this was my first time. And I was kind of nervous about it. And it's like, oh, man. You know? And I want to do good. And I, and I want this to be well. And I felt the Lord was taking me to the book of Esther. And he camped me on Haman where Haman is, Esther says, you know, um, how should, he's asked by the 
by, by the king. How should the king bless somebody who he really wants to bless? And Haman says, well, who would the Lord, the king want to bless more than me? So he lays out this thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hey, this, you know, Haman was an idiot. And I'm sitting there thinking that. And I was going, Lord, how is there an illustration? And I was sitting there praying and I went, And I argued with God a couple of days. Finally, I said, okay, God, I'll use it. I'll use it. They're not at this church anymore. And so, I, it, it, okay, I'll use it. So by the time it came for it, now my wife didn't know about any of this, but she found out about it that morning. And, um, okay, this is how subtle it is. And so I'm sitting there, and this is my first Sunday sermon ever. And I'm sitting there. And I talk about this. People enjoy it. Um, this is going really good. People line up afterwards and they want to tell me how great a job it was and how it touched and blah, blah, blah. And if my head was a balloon, it had been about this big with one of those stupid faces you can draw on it with a permanent marker. And it was transparent so you could see there's nothing in there. <laughs> that, okay, now... Hang on to that balloon in, in your head on by your fingers. It's not tight off. Hang on to it. And I'm, I'm lining up and everybody's doing, you know, coming up. And it's just great. Wow, this is great. God, I, I, maybe I was called. Maybe this is, maybe I can do this. This is great. And I'm thinking this is all going pretty good. Okay, this is part two. I couldn't share this part first service because I didn't have time. But anyway, so I'm sitting there. My wife now knows about it. And she's looking at me like, oh. Okay, but anyway, um, I sit there. Now, I look at my watch. Oh, five minutes, and i got to go to the little room. So I turn, and there's a set of doors over here. The door opens, and here comes the couple. Now, they hadn't been there in months. And I wanted to go up and go, what are you doing here? Get out of here! But you can't, and at that point... You let go of the balloon, and my head would have been, and that'd be my head. Watch your step. My head's right there. And I go to the bathroom, come back, and that whole worship time, I was not worshiping. I was trying to think of a whole different kind of sermon or maybe a different way to illustrate this, anything but what God gave me, and nothing came to mind. And when it came time to come up, I come up. I turn, and they're sitting right there. And there's nobody in front of them. And I just went, I fell for it again. And so I'm hemming and hawing, and I'm trying to figure out how to get around this thing and make it look like it's not them. I wasn't doing a very good job. And all of a sudden, she goes, oh. And then she whispers over him, and he goes, and then they're sitting there, and I'm going, well, I might as well. So I just went ahead and did what I did the first time. And, and I just went, God, please teach me, humble me. And he goes, I am. <laughs> he goes, I am. And then to really add to it, 
they come up afterwards and go, you know, we want to take you to dinner. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Who picks a different night? And I'll pay for it, not you. And, but that's how subtle temptation is. And it can happen to any of us. And you won't even see it coming sometimes until it's too late. And But when it's finally obvious, you still have the ability to say no and walk away from it in the Lord. Or you could sit and go, I'm in this far, what's the point? And go in all the way. And I saw a lot of that over the years in ministry. And the damage done was unbelievably bad. Families, marriages, businesses, careers, just thrown away because they decided to jump all the way back in. And they found out once they were in there, they met death. And some of them, I went to their funerals because they met physical death. And so tomorrow... Or this afternoon, which house? House of wisdom, where there's life, and there's peace, and there's our Father, or the house of folly. God's going to put up every warning sign. Which are you going to choose? Now, there's one more verse. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. And this is familiar to many of you. The worship team wants to start making their way back up. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, Joshua says to Israel. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And then he finishes 14, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, thank you, God, that we are never alone. You are always with us. And Father, we don't always see the things that the, that the enemy, the devil, or our flesh want to dangle in front of us that will tantalize our flesh and our cravings or our imaginations. We don't always see them at first, God. But, Lord, help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear, not just your word and, and your warnings, but to hear your warnings, that we be men and women who walk before you in truth, that we please you, God, from day to day in the choices we make and in how we carry out our day and, and, and run our business and do our jobs and raise our families, because, Lord, in the house of wisdom is everything we need for life and for living. And we thank you for that house, Lord. And I pray that for this week for each of us. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.